How many know you can never have too much of Jesus? I, I think we have probably, I, I could be wrong in this, Sister Sophia, uh, you'll know more. I think we had between 20 and 30 baptized in the Holy Ghost today. Yeah, we, she's at least. We had people feel the Holy Ghost from one end to the other because that's the will of God. You know, we don't have to try to get God to do what he wants to do. We just have to let him do what he wants to do. Did you know that? It's like getting God to try to do something and say, God, please do something. He says, hey, just let me do it. How many of you tonight want God to move by his spirit in this place? You know, there, there's something, I, God is moving. I, I, I was raised in Pentecost all my life. I don't know any other, other way to go. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just, I don't know any other way to go. And, you know, I, I've seen the, the Pentecostal movement in America kind of have these ebbs and flows. But I sense in my spirit that God is getting ready to do something powerful in America. I really mean that. I, and I'm not a prophet. I'm not a son of a prophet. I, but I really am sensing this. Some churches will not get on board. I'm not, I'm not, but that's them. I won't be going there. But I do believe that God is going to start to raise up churches in areas because there's a cry. And how many of you tonight want to see have God have his way? Not just in, in, a, in a church, but in the nation. And we need a revival in America, folks. And I want you to take your Bibles to the book of, of Ezekiel chapter 37 tonight. Ezekiel chapter 37. Jose, it's good to see you. Praise the Lord. I met him the other night over there at uh, Sister Sophia's church. I'm thinking in Spanish. I'm a gringo, but I've been in Spanish all week over there. So now I'm thinking in English. I, I, I have to do, this is awesome. And so, so if I say something in Spanish, it's not a message in tongues, so don't stand up and interpret it. Unless you know Spanish, of course. But we had such a, an awesome anointing. You know, folks, I, tr I, I, I cherish the anointing of God. There's nothing like it. Carla, when did you get saved? Eighty-six. That was in Costa Rica. Praise the Lord. God is good, isn't he? Did you ever know you could be a preacher's wife? If somebody would have told you back in 1984, 83, you're going to marry a preacher, what would you have told him? Yeah. You're in fifth grade. In 84. Well, no, you definitely weren't going to be marrying anybody at, in, at fifth grade. But when you were young, you probably never thought about marrying a preacher. But when you got saved, God began to change. And let me say something, folks. Don't start telling God what he cannot do through you. Hudson Taylor, anybody ever heard of Hudson Taylor? Hudson Taylor was a great missionary to China. He raised up 800 missionaries. 800, not, not people, missionaries. And he made a statement. He said, if you want God's best, let him make the decisions for your life. And you'll impact the culture. And I believe that God 
is wanting to raise up people here at Victory World Outreach Church to be impactive. Now, now I cannot make that happen. A young man that I, we're not, we're not young anymore, but uh, a man that I was, a young guy I was raised up with, Doug Sites, he always wanted God to call him to be a minister. He was our, our, one of my former pastor's sons, the Eastside Assembly of God. And um, he, he, he would pray, God, call me. And he, he finally heard the call about 10 or 15 years ago to become a missionary to China. And now he's been ministering in China. He and his wife, Cindy Stiles, not Cindy Stiles, Cindy Sides, they go back and forth and they, and they minister. And, and I look across this room. I see children. I see young people. I see uh, young adults. And, and, I, and I see some of us a little bit older. <laughs> Glory to God. Wiser. But I see potential. You say, well, maybe I, you say, well, Chris, I failed the Lord 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Well, are you serving the Lord today? It's not about what you didn't do yesterday. It's being obedient to God today. Praise the name of the Lord. Father, I'm asking you to anoint me with the Holy Ghost that I might preach your word. Because, Lord, without, without that, I could do nothing. And Jesus, I'm asking you to speak to this church by the Holy Ghost, by the word of God. In Jesus' name I pray, and everyone said amen. Let me give you the background of Ezekiel before I even get in the message tonight, before I read the text. Israel is in captivity in Babylon. And the reason why they're captives, they've been overcome by the Babylonians and taken from Israel all the way to Babylon, which is around, I think, six to 800 miles, is because of their sin. Isaiah prophesied, uh, Jeremiah prophesied, and they would not repent. Have you ever tried to get people to change? Besides me? Because you see the end. You see where they're going to end up. It's like statistically, uh, this is not Chris Clark or the church saying this. Medical science says that a heroin addict, when they start using, will be dead in 20 years. So if a young man starts using at 15 years old, by 35, they're dead. A headbanger, a gang member, will be dead in 20 years because it's a culture of death. And so we, we as preachers and evangelists and pastors and prophets and apostles and, and Sunday school teachers and children's leaders what we're wanting to do many times is tell people, you know what, you're going in a bad direction and it's not because we're trying to tell you what to do. We just see what you're going to end up into. And that's the same way it is with Israel. God raised up prophets to try to bring them back to him. But they wouldn't do it. So God allowed Babylon to come in. Now, let me say something about the judgment of God. When God judges a nation, many times he uses another nation to judge that nation. And what's interesting, Babylon is now modern-day Iraq. I want you to think about this. 
The fastest growing religion in America is Islam. It's not Christianity. They, they, we estimate there's 8 million Muslims in America and growing. They're having conferences in Detroit, Toronto, and thousands of young people are attending these conferences and they're saying, our time has come for North America. Now, I know I'm going to sound real, you know, dogmatic, but take it for what it's worth. I believe because of America as a nation has turned their back on God, God is allowing others to come in to rule it. And so God allowed Babylon to come into Israel and to burn it. They burnt the city of Jerusalem and they burnt the great temple of Solomon. And they carried the choice people back to Babylon. One of those men that God, that was taken back to Babylon was Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Ezekiel. And in one aspect, it looked like God had totally given up on Israel. But God had a prophet by the name of Ezekiel. He's not prophesying in Israel. He's not prophesying in a pulpit. He's been called by God as he himself is a slave. But this is why I, I'm looking at the church. I see America in, in moral decay. But I'm wondering, is there a prophet in this place? He may be a young person, a child. It may be a young girl. It may be a middle-aged man. It may be a teenager over here. I don't know. It doesn't matter to me the age, the color, the background. Is, is there a prophet in the house? And, and God raised up this, this man by the name of Ezekiel. Now, he was a, an interesting prophet. He was the one that saw the wheel in the middle of the wheel. He saw a, 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 a tornado of fire. He saw things in the spirit that, that a lot of people just don't see. And in a, in a prophet of God, many ways, times, will see, see things that other people cannot see. In fact, in the Old Testament, before the term prophet was used, they were called a seer. They saw things. They recognized things. And, and be, being a prophet, there's a, a responsibility that goes with it. And I, I don't want to get into the, to the, to the discussion of the modern-day prophets that we sometimes see on TV. I don't want to go there. But, but there is the true office of a prophet. And the prophet Ezekiel is calling Israel back to God. Now, how many of you believe if there's ever been a day that America needs a prophet to call this country back to Jesus is now? How many of y'all believe that tonight? Now, now, Ezekiel 37, this man by the name of Ezekiel is having a vision. And it says in beginning of verse 1, 
the hand of the Lord. Everybody say the hand of the Lord. One more time, the hand of the Lord. Now when it says the hand of the Lord was upon me. The hand of the Lord was upon me. There's something about when God's hand is upon a person. Years ago, we used to use that term in the Pentecostal movement. It, 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 would, it would, if a young person, mainly they would use it concerning young people, if, if they saw uh, something special about the way they prayed or maybe they sought the Lord or they were tender to God, uh, the older saints would say, the hand of God's upon him. The hand of the Lord's upon her. Remember that, Brother Albert? I mean, they, so you don't hear that too often anymore. But but when you when the hand of God, and it's not just favor. We're not talking about necessarily favor. I I believe in favor, but I think that's been overdone in the church world. It's when God places His hand upon a life. Don't take that for granted. And a scripture says that the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which is full of bones. Everybody say in the spirit. Now you have the hand of God and now you have the spirit of the Lord. And the spirit carries him into the midst of a valley of dry bones. What a way to start a revival. What a way to start a church. It's full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about and behold there were very many in the open valley and lo they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O, o ye bone, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and ye shall what? Live. And I will lay soonest upon you and will bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall what? And ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the soonest in the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, prophesy into the wind, Prophesy, said a man, and say unto the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds of the, of the O breath, and breathe upon the slain, and they may, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came upon, breath came un, into them, and they lived. This, this term living keeps coming back. And stood upon their feet an exceeding army. Then he said unto them, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dead, and our hope is lost, and we are cut off of our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord, 
God, behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come out out of your graves and bring you into the, to the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves, O my people, and, br- and brought you up out of your graves, and ye shall be, and I shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live, and I will place you in your own land. And then shall ye know that I of the Lord have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. Now there's something that I want us to, 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 to consider here tonight as a church. Israel is at this point totally backslid. And, and, and God is showing Israel to, to Ezekiel as God sees it. Now there's two ways to look at our sin personally or collectively or nationally. We can look at it from our perspective or we can look at it from God's perspective. Now what really counts is God's perspective as he sees the condition. Because how many of you know that God is actually the final judge? Not me, not my grandmother, not my mother, not my father, not how, how sweet aunt so-and-so is or, or whoever. It, it's, it's God's perspective on what's really happening. And this is what God is showing Ezekiel as Israel is in the sight of God. They're dead. They're dead as a nation. They're dead morally. They're dead physically. And also implies they're separated from God. Because death is the ultimate separation from God. How many of you have ever heard a person that is not a Christian that tells you that they pray? Oh, I pray. Brother, Hindus pray. You know that, brother. Uh, uh, Muslims pray. But the Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. You see, idolatry is in making a God in our own image. And that's what Israel had done. That was actually their greatest sin, was idolatry. And everything that goes with idolatry. And so here they are, and God begins to show Ezekiel this valley. And this valley is an open valley, and it's full of bones. Now, and it is in Jerusalem or Jews in Israel, it's a disgrace not to bury a dead body. Jews normally do not practice cremation because they consider the body as sacred. And so when you have these bones in a valley, it's a disgrace. And it's not only a disgrace to Israel, but it is a disgrace to the nations that look at it. Are you following me tonight? You see, when this is, what God is doing, he's laying bare the condition of Israel before all the nations around them. The nations that feared Israel are looking at Israel the way it is now. Babylon, Greece, Egypt. The scripture speaks about in the book of Psalms how the mighty have fallen. Feel the anointing coming on me right now, so just hang with me. 
Israel was, was, could not be penetrated by these nations. The Bible says that, that God had placed a, a wall of fire around them. There was not a nation that could defeat Israel. The queen of Sheba came to Solomon to test him with many questions. And she said, the half has not been told what this man has. And all the legends of Solomon and all of his wealth and all of his chariots and all of his, 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 his horses and the throne of ivory and all of those things that we hear about Solomon. And as long as Israel served the Lord, God protected them. The most important building in Israel up to the time of Ezekiel was the temple that Solomon had built centuries before. The temple of Solomon was one of the, the seven ancient wonders of the world. People would come to look at the temple from all over the world and admire it because you see, it was the architect was actually God who gave it to David. It, 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 had, it, had, it had silver and gold and tapestries. But what made the temple glorious was one box in the Holy of Holies called the Ark of the Covenant. And upon the Ark of the Covenant, the Shekinah glory brooded continually. It was a protecting Israel. That's why the scripture says in the book of Psalms, he that keepeth Israel neither slumber nor sleeps. What made Israel phenomenal was not the Jordan River, was not Mount Hermon, was not Jerusalem, was not Bethlehem, was not Nazareth, was not the Mediterranean Ocean. It was the presence of God. That's something that no other nation on the face of the earth had. Egypt had their pyramids. The, you know this, Carly, and Sister Sophia, and Central America had the Mayan Indian Empire at this basic at the same time. The Aztec Empire of Mexico. They, they had their temples. The Babylonians had their temples. But the temple of Solomon had something that none of the else had, and that was the glory of God. Never take the presence of God for granted. Because once he's gone, it's hard to get him back. Because it's a process. Because when the glory began to leave the temple, in, when you read the book of Ezekiel, it says the glory went left the Holy of Holies and they went over the, the door and brooded there waiting to be invited to come back in, but they had desecrated the temple of God. They had, they had erected the God of Tammuz. Tammuz is where you get the sign of the cross because it's the T. So whenever you do this, that's taking on the sign of Tammuz. That's an ancient symbol. They, they put a, a, a astrological signs in the holy place. And God says, I will not dwell there. I, I will not live there. So he moves out. 
hoping that they will go back in and repent and, and cleanse the temple, but they would not do it. And then the scripture says, then the glory that was over the, the threshold goes out over the mountains of Jerusalem and is above the mountain waiting. Possibly they will invite me back in. And they never did. And then it leaves. And now the nations look at Israel as a laughing stock. They look at Israel now as a nation that is a has-been. A nation that was. Israel was not the biggest nation. Israel did not have the great. We don't, I'm, I'm not, please understand what I'm saying. I'm not minimizing education at all. But they were not known for their education. That they were not known for, for what other nations could do. Like astronomy. Or medicine. They were known. I feel the anointing on this. As the ones that God used to bring the law, the word, to the world. Mm. They, they were known for the, for the people that God manifested himself upon Mount Sinai. Where the glory of the Lord was at. That, that the law of God was given through these people to the world. But now they're destroyed. I'm seeing America going in that same route. A few hundred years ago, the great, the great empire in the world was Spain. Then England than us before Spain was Rome before Rome was Greece before Greece was Persia before Persia was Babylon before Babylon was Israel and you see this progression of, of they begin to move up they plateau and then they decline at once a nation falls it never comes back let me say that again. What, that doesn't mean they don't exist. Greece exists. Rome exists. Israel exists. Babylon exists. We're not talking about not existing, but they're no longer the, 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 powerful, the, the powerful nation that they once were. I see America declining. Anything goes in America now. Any, any religion, any, any morality people want to live, uh, lying and cheating, uh, uh, whatever they want to do, uh, they're, they're, they're protecting the guilty and, and, and prosecuting the innocent. They've, since they've come out with same-sex marriage, uh, now there was a, it was, just came out of the news that a man back east married his niece because you can't define marriage anymore. And now there are those that are, that, that, are, that are promoting polygamy and marrying yourself and marrying your animals because you can't define marriage. Because you see, marriage was established upon the word of God. Now, not upon a tradition. And whenever you try to defend tradition on, by using tradition, it will always fail. But whenever you use the word of God as your foundation, that never fails. 
How many of you can shout amen right now? But, but whenever there's a crack and people begin, Brother Blake, I feel something in my spirit. I mean, this is my third server today. We had a powerful anointing of the Holy Ghost, but I feel that same anointing, Sister Sophia, right now. But whenever Satan will begin to, to try to get you to question the word of God and to be let you say, well, I know the Bible says this, but I know it teaches this, but I know that Abraham said this, but I know that it happened in Genesis, but you know, it's a different era. We're living in a different time. I want you to know, brother, men come and go. Jesus said heaven and earth will pass away, but my word. A church of God in Christ several years ago, and the title of the message was Make Up Your Mind. That young man from that church of God in Christ preached, Make Up Your Mind. I thought, you know what? He's saying a whole lot more than what people are getting. Make up your mind. Whom will you serve? How many of you today are going to be like Joshua and say, it's for me and my house. I am going to serve the Lord. If you believe it, give the Lord a cup of today. Now, out of all these folks of uh, uh, in the captivity, we call that the Babylonian captivity. There was a few men in there that did not bend their, bow their knee to Nebuchadnezzar. It's just so hard to serve the Lord. It's just, uh, they, they're just so hard to serve Jesus. Get real. I don't have, have any friends. Big serving Jesus. You know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those young men, we look, read the book of Daniel chapter one. They, they were brought in from Israel and they wanted to serve them the food from off the king's table. And they say, we ain't eating it. We'd rather have caldo. We'll have some vegetable soup. And God blessed him. Because it says they, they purposed in their heart not to defile themselves. How oh, the devil just, I'm just so tempted all the time, Brother Blake. I'm just so tempted, Sister Sophia. Sometimes I'm so weak in my life. I'm just, so, you know, I just can't help myself. Really? I, I, when, I, when I was a youth pastor in Brownsville, 
The way I learned Brownsville, Texas, the way I learned Spanish was because I lived in the, in, in the, well, the whole city of Brownsville is Hispanic. Everybody speaks Spanish. But I lived right in the, in the barrio, the barrio. And this one man told me, he said, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sex addict. I said, you lying devil, get away from me. Yeah, I'm a pervert, he told me. I said, you know, you're devil possessed. You need to be free. And so here, here is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel, and Ezekiel. But they're going to shake a nation. How many believe that we can say, still shake America? We, we may be few in number compared to the city of Denton, the county of Denton. We may not have the biggest church in town. And, and Brother Blake, if I, if I accidentally say somebody of God, don't, don't get offended. I mean, I, this is what I am. I'm always in these somebody's got churches. So we may not be the biggest assembly in town, but it doesn't matter as long as we can have a prophet. And so the Bible says that Ezekiel, the hand of the Lord came upon Ezekiel and carried him out in the spirit. Years ago, we used to get what we called in the spirit. John, the revelator, was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And all of a sudden, the Lord takes him to a valley of dry bones, many of them, and God asks him the question, hey, can these bones live? Now, if I was him, he had more faith than I do. I'd say no. It's over. But he didn't. He said, Lord, you know. Because this is beyond what I can do. Now, there's certain things, I feel the anointing on me, folks. There's certain things in preaching and churches cannot do. We, we can look at the, the condition of people. But we cannot change the condition of people. Now we can dig, go go to go to places of the world like they're like I think uh, uh, James Robinson has been doing, going to Ethiopia where the drought is and digging wells of water. Those things we can do, but when it comes to changing the the heart condition, I can't do that. And Ezekiel said, "You know." And so the Lord said to him, prophesy, preach the word. Everybody say the word. One more time, the word. Now, now how many of y'all have the Bible in your hands? Let, let me bring this down here. I, I have this book called the Bible. I still use the King James Version. <clears throat> I use it because the manuscript is based upon not because it's more holy, because it's in thee and thou. It's just that the Greek manuscript was a received text. That's why I use it. But I have the word, and this is the revelation of God. And this is the revelation of the will of God, his word. He said, preach or prophesy to these bones. Now, there won't be any offering. I need an offering, of course. But there won't be any offering here. And there won't be an amen. And there won't be a glory to God. And there won't be a buck and a jerk. There won't be anybody falling out because they're dead. 
You're, there's, this is when you, this is where we need revival in America. And I love the amen. I love the shout. My goodness, today we were shouting in church. I mean, the Holy Ghost fell over there on all those folks, got the baptism of the Holy Ghost laid out over the altars, and I love all that. But but, but it, it, sometimes it doesn't start out that way. I think when Sister Sophia started, it was just you, right? You told me when you started the church here 18 years ago, over here at the other church, it was just you in a room sometimes. She told me the other day, she was, she was the only one that showed up to church with a guitar, preaching, singing by herself to empty chairs. What, what are you doing? You're preaching to dead bones. Can I get a, hey, can I get a witness out here today? Uh, you, you see, that's when you have a passion. You, you're not preaching because of what they're saying. You're preaching because of what God is saying. And, and sometimes people, hallelujah, will turn, tune you out. They'll be chewing gum like I talked about this morning. Some people don't hear because you're at the Super Bowl. But you know what? You preach the word anyway. Like the old song we used to sing, give the winds a mighty voice. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Ezekiel prophesied to the bones. So he's doing just exactly what God said. He begins to preach to them. And all of a sudden, there's a little shaking. All of a sudden, these bones, by the word of the Lord, begin to come together. Now, now they cannot make themselves come together. A person that is dead cannot resurrect themselves. Are you following this? A person or a nation that is far from God cannot save themselves. I don't know why I'm preaching like this, but I really feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I felt it all day. A person, a nation, a city that is disjointed has, has been a has-been in the natural cannot change their condition. They're too far to change now. So it's going to take divine intervention. That's why we need the prophet. How many of you are willing for God to call you? Whatever that is. I, I, I just read the story. We have a, a lot of folks here, a lot of, a lot of people that are African-American descent. I just read this, the, re-read the story of the history of the Church of God in Christ with Bishop Mason. Bishop Mason was a Baptist preacher in the, 19, the 1880s and 1890s. But he began to preach holiness. We call separation from sin. Well, he was preaching that in the Baptist church, and they kicked him out. So they, they said, we don't want that here. We don't believe that message here. So, so Brother Mason started a little church in Memphis, Tennessee, called the Church of God in Christ. Now, it was not yet Pentecostal. It was holiness. And he and another man started this, this church together, and his name was C.P. Jones. 
Now, C.P. Jones wrote a lot of the songs we used to sing in our hymn book. He wrote that one song that said, Deeper, deeper in the love of Jesus, daily let me go. That's a holiness song. He, he wrote also a song, but he, these were black men. He, he also wrote the song we used to sing, Brother Andrew. Hallelujah, hallelujah, I have passed the riven veil where the glories never fail. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we are living in the presence of the King. He also wrote the song, I Would Not Be Denied. Anybody ever heard these songs before? Probably just a couple of us. He wrote the song, I would not be denied. I would not be denied till Jesus came and made me whole. I would not be denied. And, and so they were starting this little fledgling group called the Church of God in Christ. Bishop, Bishop Mason wanted holiness to come back to the church. But he, and he was preaching. But he didn't have a lot of effectiveness until in 1907. They were having a revival in California called the Azusa Street Revival. And a man by the name of William Seymour, another black man who was blind in one eye, and he was the son of slaves in Louisiana, and, and he heard about this revival. And so Mason took a train from Memphis, Tennessee to Los Angeles. And when he went in there and saw all these people, it was a mixed church, white, Hispanic, black, falling out, shouting, speaking in tongues, casting devils out, people being healed. He said, is this God? And so he spent several months there to, to kind of determine, is this the Holy Ghost or not? Because they said it was. But finally he was convinced and he received the Holy Ghost. So he gets on the train and goes back to Memphis and he tells the church, the little church of God in Christ in Memphis, now most of them had already been baptized in the Holy Ghost because another preacher went through and preached that. But, but C.P. Jones, Brother Jones just did not believe in all that stuff. So he split the Church of God in Christ in 1907 and started a movement called the Church of Christ Holiness. Well, you never hear about them. Because they have the word. But you need the spirit. You need both. Can anybody shout amen today? And so the bones came together, but the Bible says they're still dead bodies. And then the Holy Ghost, or God says to Ezekiel, can these folks now live? And, and he says, I only you know. He says, prophesy. And he began to prophesy to the four winds of the earth. And all of a sudden, young man, suddenly began to blow over the bones. These dead bodies. They're no longer bones. They're, they're bodies now, but they're just dead. And this wind begins to blow over them to this valley. Can you imagine what that was like in a vision? I mean to tell you folks, I would like to see just something like that one, just one time in my life. I would like to see the wind one more time of the Holy Ghost. I, I, I remember hearing years ago, probably uh, brother, uh, brother, and it's back in your grandparents' era when, when there were times of manifestation of the Holy Ghost and the Pentecostal movement to where actually wind would blow in the services. Oh, Jesus. How many would like the wind of the Holy Ghost to blow in this place? 
I mean, how many would just like to see the wind of the Spirit just just all of a sudden your hair starts blowing and there's no air conditioning on. There's no fans on. Hallelujah. Can anybody, does anybody believe that God can still do that again? If you do, shout amen right now. Now, now, now the Bible says that, that, that Israel thought it was over for them. I, I believe a lot of us think it's over for America and it's over for the church. I, I'm a, I, you, yeah, was it your uncle that was at the first general council? Yeah, his, his uncle was at the first general council of the Assemblies of God in 1914. 300 men and women that had come out of the Church of God in Christ, by the way, brother, some of the guys came out of the Church of God in Christ, formed over there at Hot Springs, Arkansas, and Brother Mason preached the First General Council of the Assemblies of God, and, and there were 300 of them, and they, they got together and said, we're going to form a Pentecostal organization. Not knowing what they were setting in motion. But the wind was blowing. The wind is never knew that he'd probably be preaching... I hit the mute button. You can't even tell I hit it. Now that's when I don't even need this. It is, thank you. Three more. Well, we have all tell tomorrow morning. Praise the Lord. So Israel said it's over for us. And I see a lot of our Pentecostal churches, it's done. Really. But if we could just have a prophet. To say, I'm preaching to these people until revival comes. Stay here till revival comes. I feel the word to tell you this, Blake. I never tell it, done this before. God brought you here, not just to have another church. They're, they're, they already have churches here, good churches, fine churches. But what, what Denton needs, what America needs, is revival. We, we need revival churches. I mean, we need where the Holy Ghost is moving, where, where it, it impacts every part of the town. Uh, down where y'all live in, in Argyle, Keller, Fort Worth, Sanger, Gainesville. I, I go to churches where they're beautiful churches, beautiful sons of God, beautiful independent churches. I mean, beautiful people. They're, they're all stately. I mean, we, we become kind of, I'm not saying y'all, I'm just saying in general terms, we become just kind of, you know, you know, really nice looking. I mean, we're not poor like we used to be. We're not bringing kerosene lamps in the building anymore to hang them from the, the rafter to have light. We don't have a path to the outhouse in the back anymore. We have indoor plumbing. We have indoor air conditioning. And we can just kind of come in and chill out and fall asleep. We have padded pews. If we fall out, we've got some carpet to lay down on. And, and brother, we just kind of happy the way it is. But God wants to begin to stir the church one more time. He wants to begin to raise up some folks and say, wait a minute, I see a nation that's dying and on its way to a devil's hell. God, raise us up. We're going to begin to prophesy. We're going to begin to stay, believe God for deliverance. How many of y'all believe that God is a deliverer tonight? If you believe it, shout amen tonight. Can anybody shout glory to God? Yeah, Lord, hallelujah. One man by the name of Ezekiel 
never minimize yourself. I know we're unworthy in ourselves. I understand all that. I know we need to walk humbly before the Lord. I understand all that. Please, I'm not. I'm going to say we get an attitude. But I'm saying, brother, we don't need a bunch of people that can't make up their mind and know what they believe and they're so concerned about what other people think about them. And I'm talking about righteous people. I'm talking about the world. Brother, let me tell you something. Truthfully, I could care less about what some adulterer thinks about me. I could care less about what some drunk thinks about me. They, they don't determine what I do. I'm going to serve the Lord. I, if, I, if I can serve the Lord with 10 people or by myself, I'm going to serve the Lord. It's like T.D. Jake said years ago. He said, if you don't say amen, I will. If you don't come with a shout, I'm going to shout anyway. If you don't believe in praise of God, I'm going to praise them. I'm not going to allow other people to determine what I do. I'm not letting dead bones, uh, people that could care less, uh, people that are worldly and carnal and going to hell, determine what I am going to do. I am going to bless the name of the Lord. Uh, can anybody shout amen? Uh, we, we may not have a Hammond B3 in this church, uh, but we've got the Holy Ghost. Uh, we may not have a, a, a rope choir of a hundred people, but brother, we've got the Holy Ghost. Uh, it's still not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Can anybody shout amen? People, people will say, well, I don't, I don't like Pentecostal churches. They go find you a Baptist. There's a lot of good Baptist churches. And you know, I, brother, I, I was raising this thing. I know what you say to people that are not Pentecostal. They'll say, what church you go to? I go to the Assembly of God. Oh. I said, well, I'm not changing for you. But when you got a kid that's demon-possessed and your marriage is falling apart, and it's going to take more to come in and sing and bless be the ties that bind and sweet hour of prayer and having a nice little message from the pulpit and you say, I've got, I, I am desperate for God. That's when we need the prophet. That's when we need the Holy Ghost. How many of y'all believe that today? Can anybody shout it? Can you shout amen tonight? So he prophesied to the Spirit. I believe we can speak and pray that Jesus will send the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost come. Lift your hands and say that Holy Ghost come. Yeah, you know, some of you are doing it. Everybody lift up your hands. Holy Ghost come. One more time. Holy Ghost come. Br breathe. Shataya locura, sopla Espíritu Santo sobre tu pueblo, sopla Dios, breathe Holy Ghost, breathe Holy Ghost, breathe Holy Ghost. We we talk about um, Blake and I and, and Brother Andrew and Sister Sophia. Remember, it's Richard Jeffrey. They they were good friends with Richard Jeffrey. Ricardo Jeffrey, hermano Richard Jeffrey. Richard Jeffrey's son, Gene, I just preached for him. And Gene Jeffrey is 74 years old. And how old did you think Brother Richard would be if he was still living, Brother Andrew? About, about 98 if he's still living. Gene Jeffrey told me that his father, back in the 1950s, he was a Pentecostal evangelist and 
South America and Central America. Was in El Salvador. I think it was in El Salvador. He got malaria. He was dying of malaria. Brother Jeffrey was dying of malaria. Pentecost was starting to come in to Central America. The devil attacked him with malaria. In 1955, now that's before many of us were born. And if you were born, you were very young. But the pastor, a lady pastor from a little, little holiness assembly of God church in Phoenix, Sunny Slope Assembly of God, the Lord woke her up in the middle of the night and said, pray for Brother Jeffrey. Now, this is before cell phones. How many of you remember that day? Remember that? I mean, you actually had to go have a quarter to go dial, you know, make a call. So the Holy Ghost raised, uh, raised up this lady pastor, Sunny Slope Assembly of God Church, and so, sister, I can't remember what her name was, called another lady in the church and said, would you come and help me pray? Brother Jeffrey's in, in trouble. So they went to the altar and began to pray. See, we used to what we call pray through. You prayed until you knew God had taken care of the situation. We don't do that anymore. We come down and pray for 30 seconds and we get back up and wonder why nothing ever happened because nothing did happen. So she's praying, but while they're praying, God speaks to a preacher from Guatemala. It said, Richard Jeffrey is dying. Go pray for him. Not even knowing where he was at. But the Holy Ghost knew where he was at. It's a setup, brother. That's why the Holy Ghost talks to mothers. It's a setup. And so this, this, this preacher from Guatemala goes all the way through the jungle all night long, crosses the border into El Salvador, Illegally, because God sent him to go preach or to pray for Brother Jeffrey, and the Holy Ghost takes him right up to where Brother Jeffrey is at. Didn't know he was there, but the Holy Ghost did. Can I get a witness out here? Don't when we talk about the Holy Ghost, it's more than talking in tongues. I'm gonna get real old. I'm gonna get real old timey here. I'm gonna go back to real old school here. He goes up to the door of the parsonage of the of the pastor's house where the Jeffrey is dying of malaria. Knocks on the door. Gene is a teenager. His son, Sister Jeffrey, opens the door and says, yes. He said, Does, is Brother Jeffrey here? She said, yes. God has sent me to pray for him. She said, well, he can't see anybody. He's dying. He says, I know. That's why God sent me. Hallelujah. 
So Sister Jeffrey goes in, Brother Jeffrey, he's laying in bed. He's died. Literally, he's, got, he's lost how much, I don't know how much weight. He's become his skin and bones. And Sister Jeffrey said, there's a man out here from Guatemala to pray for you. I told him you were dying. You couldn't see anybody. He said, well, send him in and we'll, we'll let him come in for about 10 minutes. He came in and that man came in for the Holy Ghost. Now, let's just pretend like your brother Jeffrey laid hands on him and rebuked malaria and said, in the, in an, I'll just say in the Spanish, in the nombre de Jesus, yo reprendo esta enfermedad, se libre, se sana, be healed right now. And when he said that, the power of God came upon Brother Jeffrey and he jumped up out of the bed, totally healed by God. Oh, hallelujah. How many of you know the Holy Ghost knows where you're at? I said, how many of you know the Holy Ghost knows where you're at? If you're sick, if you're down, the Holy Ghost knows where you're at and help is on the way. And even though Nebuchadnezzar had destroyed Babylon, God said, wait a minute, there's still my people and Babylon will not determine my will for these folks. I am going to raise them up. How many of you believe that God can still raise up a church in this generation? If you believe it, shout amen. When I say shout amen, that means y'all say amen. Hallelujah. Can you shout amen? what this generation needs to see. Because I'm kind of closing. We already see the offering. Are you going to take another offering? Okay, so we already see the offering. If you want your money back, talk to them later. <laughs> I'm so hungry. What's your name, young lady? Judy, where are you from? Kenya, Africa. There's a mighty move of God in Kenya. I said there's a mighty move of God, honey, in Kenya. There's a mighty, mighty move of God in Africa right now. There's so many people being saved in Africa. They say, I think, in the next 30 years or so. I can't know. I don't know the stat exactly, but the whole continent will be saved if it keeps going in that direction. There's a mighty move of God in Latin America. When, when, when Sophia's grandparents received the Holy Ghost in the 1920s with Brother Melvin Hodges, those men back in those days, uh, there was just a handful of Pentecostal people in Honduras. Uh, now there's tens and tens of thousands of them uh, down there. 75% of Guatemala are, are evangelical. Hallelujah. A hundred years ago, there was not hardly any of them. But you know why? The Holy Ghost was breathing. The Holy Ghost was blowing. Somebody preached the word when nobody showed up. But then they began to shove one, five, ten, went back down to Seven. Then they then they had twenty. Went back down to eighteen. Then they hit forty. Went back down to thirty-six. But they kept going and going. And the wind of the Holy Ghost was breathing. How many of you believe that God can do that one more time in the United States of America? All we need is a preacher, brother. All we need is somebody that will pay a price and pray the price. How many tonight are willing to go all the way with God? If you are, shout Amen tonight.
praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. Can anybody say, praise the Lord? I said, can anybody say, praise the Lord tonight? As I'm closing, kind of. When God begins to move, when God began to move in Israel, Nebuchadnezzar cannot stop it. The king. When God began to move, the Persians cannot stop it. They cried, couldn't do it. When God begins to move, Egypt can't stop it. When God begins to move, ISIS cannot stop. When God begins to move, the Taliban cannot stop it. When, when God begins to move, hallelujah, radicals cannot stop it. When God begins to move, atheists cannot stop it. When God begins to move, the communists and socialists cannot stop it. I mean, are y'all with me, church? They, they try to stop it. You know the Sophia in El Salvador, in Nicaragua, those nations down there. You probably even remember some of that when the Sandinistas were coming in, try to stop it. But you know what? The Sandinistas are gone, but Jesus Christ reigns and the church is growing. How many of you believe that God knows exactly what it takes for his church? Can anybody shout amen? I don't know. I feel something in my spirit. God is talking to somebody out here. Glory to God. I said, glory to God. Brother, brother, brother uh, Mason goes back to the, to the little church of God of Christ and splits. It's hard when you have a little church splitting. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, if you only have 10 tithe payers and left, five of them left, you know, as he said, well, no, this Holy Ghost is real. This, this Holy Ghost way that, you know, the old song we used to sing. I don't know if you, were you in the church of God of Christ, brother, at one time? Well, we used to sing an old holiness song. It, 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 it went like this. Um, and I, I'm one of them. I'm one of them. It came out of Azusa Street. I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. And I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. The verse said, there are people almost everywhere whose hearts are all aflame with the fire that fell at Pentecost which cleansed and made them clean. It is burning now within my heart. Oh, glory to his name. And I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Maybe I'm a Holy Ghost for a person. I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. And I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. You know what I've always learned about the Church of God in Christ? You're, no, old school, not today, brother. I'm sorry, it's changed. But old school Church of God in Christ, they could take one song and sing it for 30 minutes and the glory of God would begin to fall. Hallelujah. They, they, they could take one song and say, what do you know about Jesus? He's all right. Hallelujah. What do you know about Jesus? He's all right. He's all right. He's all right. You know why? You know what was about that song? It wasn't the rhythm. It wasn't the tambourine. It wasn't the drums. It wasn't the hammer be three organ. It was called the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Ghost began to anoint it. Hallelujah. I feel something in my spirit. I'm not against a new singer today, but brother, when you get those old Holy Ghost songs going, it begins to light up everything. How many of you still believe in the Holy Ghost tonight? If you do, come on, give the Lord a clap offering tonight. Shout amen.
I'm almost, I'm almost done. B B Bishop Mason, well, they didn't call him Bishop at the first. He just, he's just Brother Mason. And he, he gets this church going and it starts growing because of now the Holy Ghost. Well, now the church of God in Christ in America is 8 million. Because one man, one prophet of God said, I ain't bending. I'm not, I'm not changing for Brother Jones, Sister Sue, Ellie Mae, Jethro Bodine. I'm not changing for anybody. I am going to be a Holy Ghost preacher. Hallelujah. We are going to be a Holy Ghost church. How many of you today want this place to be a church of the Holy Ghost? If you do, say praise the Lord. How many of you really want to see God move by his spirit? Glory to God. You remember old Sister Hitchcock, First Assembly of God? She's in her 90s. She, she's holiness. She's never cut her hair once. She's about 94. But with the holy, this, they, they, they uh, Brother Andrews, they, they just did gallbladder surgery on her a few months ago and she survived. Uh, my mother is her prayer part partner and she says pray for Sister Norma because she's fixing to have a gallbladder surgery. She's 94. I said 94 and they're fixing to have gallbladder surgery on this lady because you see it, it, she ain't going nowhere until God says it's time to go. And, and Sister Hitchcock, she is one of the greatest prayer warriors you'll ever hear. Because they came out of the old fire. As I'm closing, you can't even teach that. You have to want it. Uh, Brother Anderson would remember this, old Brother Garbini. Brother Garbini was from Italy. Brother Garbini came to the United States of Italy in 1925. He was a palm reader. He was a Satanist. He would make bonfires in Italy and conjure up the devil. He comes and he immigrates to the United States in 1925. He lands up over in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He's walking down the street. That's before everybody had cars like today. Walking down the street. All these people are walking around him. They know he reads palms. The palm, uh, he's a palm reader. A man comes up to Garbini and says, will you read my palm? I'll give you $100. But right before that man said that, he's walking by an Italian Pentecostal church. And a voice from heaven speaks out to Garbini and says, go in there. And he can't move. He's totally frozen. Folks, I'm going to tell you, you see, Pentecost is something amazing. And so this man said, will you read my palm? And Brother Garbini says, I can't do it. He says, a voice just spoke to me to go in that building right there. I had never been in there before. He said, I can't read your palm because I can't move. And the man says, I'll give you $100 if you read the palm. And, the, and Brother Garbini says, I told you, I can't even move. I'm like, I'm frozen. 
And the man says, you're crazy. So the man left, and Brother Garbini went to the building. Sat in the back row of the, of the little church, Italian Pentecostal church, sat there, got convicted, came to the altar, they cast the devils out of him, and then he got saved, baptized in the Holy Ghost. And you knew this, Brother Andrews. Whenever there's a demon-possessed person at First Assembly, they call Brother Garbini because the devil knew him, and he knew the devil, and he knew how to cast it out. He died at the age of 101 years old. I would have Brother Garbini pray before I would preach. I say, Brother Garbini, pray in Italian. That old man would lift up those hands. He was kind of short and stocky. He was already in his late 80s then. Lift up those hands. And he would literally pray. Now, some of you had never heard this, but he would pray the fire of God you remember that, Brother Andrews? I mean, the whole church. You could hear us outside the building. I've seen, I've seen prayer meetings in that church. When Brother Brankel had left, and they were between pastors, the people began to seek God. The, pray, the people would pray with such fervor in that, that building, those old windows would begin to rattle. That's Pentecost. It's called getting a hold of God. What's your name, son? How old are you, Gabriel? I want you to see the power of God. Is this your son? I want these kids. I want you. I want you to know that. I want you to know that. I want you to know that. I want you to know that when you stand and preach in the Spanish service here, brother. I want you to know that, ladies, when you're ministering. I want you to know that. I want you to be so full of the power of the Holy Ghost that dead people begin to raise up in the church. Would you come and just play something softly? Who's ever playing tonight? Would, you, would somebody just come and just play something softly on the keyboard? I remember years ago, are you still with me tonight, church? Are you bored in here yet? Remember Cliff Orndorff? I'm thinking, of, since you're sitting here, I'm thinking of all these people I've known. Cliff Orndorff, he passed at a church in Tucson, Arizona. His daughter married Matthew Crouch of TBN. Brother Orndorff, when I was in high school, was having a revival, about your age, guys, was having a revival with a black evangelist, lady evangelist from California. And in the revival, I was about 13, 14. In this revival, this girl began to manifest a demon. Screaming. She began to, claw marks began to manifest in her throat. And that lady evangelist went over. And sister, she kind of reminds me of you, really. She went over to that devil-possessed girl. And put her hands on her hip with that girl screaming out on the floor like that and said, devil, you know me, don't you? And that demon and that girl in a man's voice said, yes, I know you. I said, well, you're coming out. When hell knows who you are. And that's why hell battles the Holy Ghost Church. You know why? Because God works by his spirit. 
And if the devil can get the spirit out of the church and get it full of unbelief, then what, what good are we? You, you know how big the Pentecostal movement is in America? I mean, the world now? Almost 700 million. It went from, well, it went from one man in Topeka, Kansas in 1901, Parham, where there was a little Bible school, to Houston. Seymour leaves Houston, goes to Azusa Street, it explodes. These people didn't know what they were setting in motion. What's your name? Donnie. Donnie, they didn't know what, I mean, don't get me wrong, they were being led by the Spirit, but they didn't know this was going to take over the world like it is. They say for every child born, three are being saved. It, the conversions around the world are outpacing births. Except in America. But I believe that can change. But I can't make it change. Brother Blake cannot make it change. So does Sophia, and she can't make it change. I, I mean, I understand that. I, hey, it's too big for me. Big for my God. This little girl right here, what's your name, baby? What's your name, honey? How old are you, Cassie? 11 years old. You're such a sweet girl. At least you look like one. Is this your little girl? Is she sweet or is she just putting on? All right. Come here. Maybe God's going to use you to do a mighty work in this world. Wouldn't that be amazing? And you say, well, I can't do that. And that's good. Because God will never, Cassie is your name? God was never going to ask Cassie something that you can do. He's only going to ask something that he can do through you, honey. That's all. And I want to pray for you. You're 11. But you know what? We have, we have some Hispanic evangelists that started preaching at 11. One was, is Ray Mesa from California. Ray Mesa started preaching when you're, he was your age. What I'm doing? He was doing it. Another young man, his name is Roy De La Garza. You ever heard of him before? He's from Phoenix. He's like really well known in the Hispanic Assemblies of God. I mean, Phoenix. Can any good thing come out of Arizona? There's a few of us out here. We may not be that hot, but hey, it is what it is. Can any good thing come out of Denton, Texas? Can any good thing come out of Argyle? What else? Anybody from another town? Crumb, Ponder, Lake Dallas, Corinth. Can any good thing come out of North Texas? Can, can any good thing come out Oklahoma, Louisiana, 
North Carolina. Is that where you're from, my brother? North. Yes. God takes the little things and does amazing things through them. And compare to me, you're little. But God is big. And I want to see, let's like we saw the move of the Holy Ghost with the young people today. The whole front of the building was young people today. How many did you have at church today, Sister Sophia, all together? More than 200. 18 years with Sister Sophia and her guitar. That's it. But that's all it is because all it is is the Word and the Holy Ghost. Brother Blake, I'm going to tell you something. Don't limit God what he can do for you. I, I, I'm, I'm almost done, I, I promise you. I preached with Dr. Carolyn Johnson. She's Church of God in Christ preacher. I don't know how she got ordained. Anyway, she got ordained with the Church of God in Christ. She's a, well, I don't know how they did that because they don't ordain men, women. But she said, Chris, I preached for her in Detroit. She said, Chris, do not become an Assemblies of God clone. I said, well, don't become a Church of God in Christ clone, sister. But we were just messing with each other. But what it is, don't let denominations, and please, I'm loyal to my fellowship, but do not allow the opinions of others to determine what God can do through you. Just let God be God. Lift your hands, sweetheart. Come on, stand by me here. Right here. I'm going to pray for you. Lord, you brought Brother Blake here, this young man, his wife, his kids. Brought, brought him, God, via Arizona, Colorado, Costa Rica, Texas. Filled in at Lindsay Street Assembly, and that, that was not the will of God. This is it. It's not the name of the sign of the building. But by divine mandate, you brought Blake here. But Lord, I, I sense in my spirit, Blake, I've never given you a word. I'm not, because I'm not, I don't really do that. But I just sense my spirit to say this to you. You've not yet not seen what God can do through you. you you've not yet seen what God wants to do through you. In other words, you've not reached it. I'm not just talking about numerically in a building. That's, that's incidental at this moment, um, moment. I'm talking about what God can do through you. I know you're under a covering, a good covering. But, but you had the anointing before you were ever affiliated with anybody. And I believe in affiliation. I believe in all of that stuff, accountability. But Blake, I don't believe you've really seen what God is getting ready to do through your ministry. He's going to start talking to you, Blake. He's going to talk about some things. I'm not talking about sinful things. I'm not saying that. But some issues to change. To start dealing with some things. 
some strategies he's going to give you. Glory to God. You have a passion for the things of the Lord that very few young men your age still have. So many of the guys your age just want a coffee bar in the back of the church and have a men's retreat at the lake and have a Sunday morning service and be happy. But I believe God is going to begin to use you to bring the hearts of people back to Jesus. Glory to God. He's seen your faithfulness. He's seen your dedication. And he's seen you that you've endured this. Oh, glory to God. And God is going to begin to speak to you. I don't know how he's going to do it. A friend of mine, he's your age, passed, took a hard church in Lubbock, Texas a few months ago, Faith Assembly of God. One time it was a big church, a large church for the day. Down about 18 people. The building, you walk in this huge building with 18 people sitting there. And it's intimidating. I told him, I said, James is very intimidating. What is this long building and 18 people sitting there. When you're a visitor, you just don't feel comfortable. But God's beginning to change us around. And God, Blake has given James two dreams recently. One was he was in, in, the, in his dream. He was in the sanctuary with one of the deacons, Brother Terry ne- Brother Neesmith. And he said, we heard this roar of people outside the building. They're in Lubbock. Over there by the mall. And Brother Andrews, actually, you know where the area's at. He said, I heard this roar of people. And I went out and I, and he said, I, I told Brother Neesmith, he said, I hear this roar of people. So they went out to the front door and there's a multitude of people. And they open up the door and they begin to come in by the hundreds and fill up the sanctuary. Last week he had another dream, similar, to where the altars were full of people getting saved. James cannot do that. But it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. A friend of mine over in Troop, Texas. I was preaching for him last year, a revival. Similar situation, a church that was big at one day and beautiful sanctuary, but anyway, it doesn't matter. It's down to a handful of people. When I'm preaching this revival, I also I noticed Tracy, the pastor Tracy, was just sitting on the edge of his, his pew kind of staring into space towards the front. And I wasn't preaching. You know, I was, I wasn't, it was not like one of those kind of sermons where you just sit and just listen to it. I mean, I admit that. I'm thinking, what is he looking at? He said, Chris, while you were preaching, I saw the whole altar. Because they set up the altar benches in flames, the flames of fire. He said, the revival is in the altar. God is speaking to these young preachers. And Blake, God's going to start talking to you in ways you've never known. And I don't, I'm not, I don't know, I've never said that to you, but it's, it's, it's going to happen. 
How many of you tonight want to see this place explode for God?